Well, again, good morning. Glad that you guys are here. If you weren't here, wouldn't have anybody to speak to. So this is good that you are here. Hey, I want to ask you, uh, well, first of all, let me just say uh, thanks. Thanks for your support of Dallas Christian College, both with uh, finances, but also uh, with students and that partnership that's here. In fact, it's, uh, I love the fact that uh, uh, you have some of our uh, graduates right here on staff with Eric Keller, Corey Briggs, uh, Mark Phillips. I think those are just a few. There may be more. If I forgot them, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, man, it's good to be here and uh, share with you. Again, love this church. Love uh, your mission of focusing people on God. Hey, I want to ask you a question now. How many, have you ever done something like like it was just, it's just something you did without really thinking about it. I mean, you, you know, you just jumped into something or somebody said, hey, jump off this cliff and you did, you know, without thinking, you just impetuous kind of things. You, you just did it. I, I do this all the time. I don't know why, but I do. Uh, for example, I can remember being in Colorado and there's a crocodile farm there. I don't know, it's a farm in Colorado. So crocodile, and they, they said, hey, you can sit on this crocodile and open its mouth and take a picture with it. And I was like, yes, yes, I could. You know, I, I, I just thought it'd be cool until I'm sitting on top of this crocodile holding the mouth open and this thing is, you know, it's hissing. And then I'm like, I, I don't think I thought this through well enough. Take the picture. And if you saw the picture of me, it's like, you know, it's more like that. And my son was next and my wife was like, what were you thinking? I wasn't. I mean, I, I can remember. I can remember earlier. This guy says, "Hey, what what would it be like to climb, you know, to climb up a waterfall?" I don't know, but let's do it. And I'm halfway up. Couldn't get down. Couldn't get up. I'm like, "Okay, we're gonna die now," because I didn't think this through. I think one of the biggest times, we were up in. Uh, I had spoken at a Christian youth conference, and so we went on a family vacation. We went up to Calgary, Canada. I don't know if, you're, if you know this, but Calgary, Canada was where the Olympics were. In fact, you may have seen the movie Cool Runnins, where the Jamaican bobsled team went down, you know, went down, did the bobsled there. And so we went to that Olympic center, and they had this deal where you could literally sign, sign up, and then you could go to the top of this mountain, and you could get on a sled, and you could fly down this mountain. I'm like, yes. I didn't even pay attention to what I was signing. I'm like, yes, I want to do this. And so we, we climbed to the top. I didn't realize this could, be, this could be my final act in this life <clears throat> until I got up there. It's true. And then they have these helmets on. I'm like, yeah, okay, helmet makes sense. And then they have these elbow pads and, and knee pads, and you're putting all these pads on. I'm going, this seems serious. And so... so uh, I walked over and I got on this sled, which is tiny. It's a luge, okay? It's just tiny. And they start going over the instructions that I had for, I just hadn't taken time to read. And so I'm sitting on this little sled and they said, hey, keep your feet up, you know, at all times. You got to lift your feet up because if your feet, if you let your feet drag, it could kick you over and could cause serious bodily harm. I thought they'd be smiling and joking. I looked up. They weren't. And I was like, are you serious? And the guy said, oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't you read the thing? No, I saw it. 
He said, oh, well, look, you got to get, and if you want to go faster, point your toes. I said, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> For real. And then they said, then they said, keep your head up, you know, because if, if your head goes back, it could drag on the ice and it could break your neck. At this point, I'm laughing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And they said, look, didn't you see that this was, this is literally the last run that we're going to do because too many people have gotten hurt. <laughs> and I was like, really? And they didn't smile. They said, yes, listen carefully to what we say. Okay, 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 okay. Now it's taking on a whole new meaning. You know, and, and it's like, don't get going too fast. Oh, trust me, I won't. You know, they, and don't point your toes if you, if you don't want to go fast. Right, got that one. And, and so they're saying, hey, we will push you to make you go faster. I was like, no, 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 don't push, don't push. And literally the last words I'm saying as they're pushing me down this thing is, don't push, don't push. And then I'm going, okay, keep your head up, keep your head up, don't don't die, don't die. Keep your arms in. And, and they said, look, go, don't get going too fast because you've seen it on television where the guys go fast and they go over. They said, we've had that happen. And I'm looking at the guy, really? And so I'm flying down this mountain and I was like, what was I thinking? It's terrifying. You know, and, they, and, and I keep my head down or, or kept it up. And the whole time I'm going, keep the feet up, keep the, hey, keep the head, keep the arms, keep the arms in. And I'm just doing this the whole time. And I go, don't go too fast. Man, you're out of control here. And at one point, I saw this speedometer thing. And it says, you are now going 48 miles an hour. Slow down. And I'm like, I want to. I want to slow down. For real. Man, maybe, just maybe, you've experienced that kind of thing in life. In life. Today we're going to talk about an idol named now. We get so caught up in now that we really don't have time to think about and think through what we're doing. We're in a sermon series, as you saw, called American Idols, in week one, we talked about no other gods before me, no idols. Week two, we talked about the more idol, the rich young man who wants more, more money, more, more things now. Two weeks ago, we talked about the idol of success. Last week, we talked about the idol of control. And this week, we're talking about the idol named now, immediacy. You see, because we have a weight problem here. I'm not talking about being overweight. I'm talking about a W-A-I-T problem in America. We don't like to wait on anything. There's instant coffee, instant potatoes, instant everything. There's drive through everything, 24-hour stores everywhere. Amazon has this two-day shipping, and in some big cities, like in our city, there's a two-hour delivery. And it's like, when is it going to get here? I want to order that book, I want it now, or I want that thing now. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. Look, how many of you, okay, how many of you actually have read through all of the agreement, like if you get an Apple thing or a, a smartphone update, and you read through all of that before you click, I agree. Anybody here? That's what I thought. No. I mean, we just click agree. I don't want to read all that stuff. You could be saying, I will give you my first child. Click, I agree, because I don't want to take the time to read. I mean, true? 
Yeah, next time, next time it comes up, you're going to go, hey, you know, Mark was talking. Nah, agree. Okay. <laughs> See, we want it now. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles up to Luke the 10th chapter, verses 38 through 42. Uh, in the Pew Bibles, if you look at page 869. And while you're looking that up, let me just give you some signs of hurry sickness. This is the symptoms of hurry sickness, and you can find out, you know, whether you're hurry sick or not. First way, first symptom of hurry sickness is speeding up that never stops. For example, if you're coming up to a stoplight, and there are two lanes, and each lane has one car in it, okay, do you try to estimate which car is going to be the fastest when it turns green and pull behind that one? You know, you check the year, the make, the model, and you go... You go for the fastest. I think that way. And if you lose, man, you are so ticked off. I chose poorly. <laughs> you know, or you're at the express lane at the grocery store that says 15 items or less. And you find yourself counting the items in your basket, but even more so the items in the other person's basket ahead of you. Or you're in the grocery line and you track to see if the other line would have been quicker and you experience Murphy's Law. Speeding up that never stops. The second uh, symptom is multitasking while you operate a vehicle. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like looking over and somebody's texting and you go, you know, I can't believe you're doing that while you're eating a Big Mac, you know, while you're driving. You know, hurry sick people may drive, eat, drink, listen, talk, text, apply makeup, direct business, and referee their kids' fights all at the same time. As you're driving by them, you're just filled with wonder that they're multitasking. Or uh, the third symptom is clutter. Clutter is on the rise. If you clean your house and find a kitchen table and a couch, <laughs> you may uh, be suffering from hurry sickness. Or if you clean your desk to find your computer. Man, I've been looking for that. Or if your car looks like a desk, a dresser, and a fast food restaurant threw up in it, you know, that's a symptom. Or symptom four, you suffer from sunset fatigue. You rush around at home even though there's no real reason to. You hurry your children along constantly. You notice that. Man, it's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, where are we going? It doesn't matter, hurry. You set up mock races. Okay, kids, let's see who can get their pajamas gone, brush their teeth the fastest. Let's go now. But it's really about your need to just get through it. Or, you know, if you keep telling your spouse that everything will slow down in a week or two. That's what happens with me. You know, if I could just get through this big event, we'll have time to rest. No? Or how about this? If you indulge in self-destructive escapes at sunset, like vegging out in front of the television or, or going through thousands and thousands of times of video games or abusing alcohol. Eating when you're not hungry, you just do it. Or looking at websites that you shouldn't or any form of escape. Trying to escape the now, the hurry sickness. The fifth one, man, that's probably the biggest, your love your love is impaired. The most serious sign of hurry sickness is a diminished capacity for love. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. You know, uh, 
when students are dating other students, what I always tell them is, slow down. And they're like, oh, Mark, you don't understand. We must fly through this thing. Uh, my second son, Zach, he had dated this young lady for about a year, and uh, he knew that they were impending breakup was happening. He's like, Dad, I can't believe this. We dated for a whole year. I mean, it took us so long to get to know each other. Now, Dad, if we break up, it's going to take so long to get to know somebody else. It's like, are you worried about breaking up because you love her or just the time factor? When you get hurried and begin to resent the very people that you're supposed to love because people always slow you down. Man, this is me. This is me. People can tell you, I move. I keep moving. And my wife doesn't. And so for me, I mean, she can, I'll be 10 steps ahead before she takes two steps. And I'm like, come on. And she's like, did you see that over there? No, I saw nothing because I'm moving. And you need to see nothing too. Let's move. Right? We have hurry sickness. We have a weight problem. We've been, we, and we've brought it on ourselves. We are the ones who got on the sled and we're flying downhill. We worship an idol called now. The now idol so drives us that even our Christian writings have to adjust our pace. Our pace. A good friend of mine, Mark Barrier, even wrote a book called The Bible for Busy People. Take a look. Luke, the 10th chapter. We're going to see this goes all the way back, all the way back to the first century in the Bible. Take a look. Uh, Luke, chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Apparently, this, she was the queen of the house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Interesting. Look at verse 40. But Martha, look at the words there, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, and not only was she distracted because she was serving, Mary was listening, sitting at the feet of Jesus, that she goes up and she's ticked off. Have you, I know you probably have never heard that in the church, but hey, why am I doing all the work and they're doing nothing? They're just sitting there. Why are they doing that? Martha did that. And the interesting thing is that Mary... I mean, can you imagine that? Mary is sitting and listening to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Messiah, and Martha is so distracted that she doesn't see that he is the Messiah. Tell her then, Jesus, to jump into now with me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, <clears throat> Martha, you are worried, you're anxious, you're distraught, you're troubled about many things. But one thing, one thing is necessary. This is it. This is it, Martha. Listen to me. You're so busy with the idol now. There's only one thing that's really necessary. It's important. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Wow. 
understand this. Listen, it's important as we study this. A false god doesn't have to be something wrong or evil. Listen to me. A false god does not have to be something wrong or evil. In fact, oftentimes we turn God's good gifts to us into idols. Someone once said this, when a good thing becomes a God thing, then it's an idol. You get that? Let's, say, let's read that together. Okay, just so you can get this. You ready? Let's say it together. When a good thing becomes a God thing, then it's idolatry. Let's read it one more time. When a good thing becomes a God thing, then it's idolatry. Look, Martha's doing a good thing. She's, she's taking care of dishes. She's busy. She's doing stuff. She's cleaning up the house. That's a good thing. But the problem was she took a good thing and made it a God thing. She was distracted from the most important thing. She's flying down on a sled out of control. Sometimes the now idol draws us into doing instead of being. That's even true in our relationship with God. We're so focused on doing the work of the Lord that we don't spend any time being the person that God wants us to be. See, truly successful Christians balance these things. You know, are you so busy serving Him, doing stuff, that you have no time or you haven't take time, taken time to listen to Him? We, every once in a while, we'll do what we call con, a concert of prayer in our chapel. And the way the concert of prayer works is this, that, that we'll, we'll pray in couples, and this is out loud, everybody prays out loud, it's okay, God can understand, look, Look, if Siri can sort out all this stuff, God is even better, okay? So he can hear everybody pray at the same time. Okay, so we do couples, and then we do groups, and then everybody prays, which is this awesome concert of prayer, and God hears our voices, and we can hear voices speaking to God. It's just awesome. And then, then we do this thing where it's like, okay, now sit, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen for what God might be telling you right now. And I wish you could have been there and seen the students, and they're like, what? Listen? No, we take so much time praying out loud that, that, that listen? What do I listen for? Is there like this voice? What? And I said, no, just, just listen for what God might be telling you. It's amazing what happened every time. Some of the students just start crying because they've not taken time to wait on the Lord. Some, some students would just start smiling because God is letting them know how deeply He loves them. Some just spontaneously go to their knees. Some worship. Just listening. See, the, the, the now idol can do its work Here's that key word that we saw in this passage, to distract you from Jesus, even while doing good things for Jesus. Did you catch that? Even though you're doing good things for Jesus, the, the idol now can distract you from being with Jesus. I, I teach a, a course every once in a while called uh, Religions, Cults, and the Occult, and 
when we start defining a cult, I, I, I literally draw on the marker board an arrow, and at the top of the arrow, I write the name Jesus. And I say this, anything, anything that can take your attention away from Jesus might be a cult. You know what the smallest cult is? The smallest cult there is is a, is a, a, a guy and a girl, a dating relationship, where just that person in now, right now, can distract us from Jesus. Or it might even be getting so busy doing stuff that we get distracted doing church rather than being the church. You know, it's like I don't want to take all the all that time to read the Bible. That takes time. And I don't want to take all that time. So I just want to get it now. Or I'll just overlook the, getting in the Bible and learning about God. I'll overlook that and just do stuff in the church. I, uh, I grew up in the church, but I never read the Bible. And uh, when I was a freshman student at Dallas Christian College, I was a freshman there myself, and there was this professor, Mark Barrier, and this guy knew the Bible like nobody I had ever been around. And I just, I was so impressed how deeply he knew the Bible. And I was like, how does he know that? How does he get all of that? How did he do that? I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And so I'll never forget, right outside of 201, freshman student, he's walking up the steps, and I just stopped him. I said, hey, Professor Barrier, how is it that you know the Bible so well? I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, osmosis or something. You know, they just got it, you know, something like that. And, And I was like, how do you know the Bible so well? And I'll never forget it. He just paused just for a second, and he does this. He he just stops, and he goes, read it, and then keeps walking. For real. And I was like, wow. Well, that seems like it takes a lot of time. I got to tell you, okay, this is fun. I got to tell you, just a, just a few years ago, I was up at El Porvenir Camp. It's a northern, northern New Mexico camp. And, and I was teaching students, and every, it was different. They didn't have classes. I just spent the whole day with a group of students each day. And so I, I had 12 students with me. That sounds biblical. And so I had uh, 12 students with me. And we spent the whole day, and we'd go to different spots, and we'd just talk, and I'd share the word with them and, and stuff. This is true. This is so awesome. And we were, we were walking uh, on the path, and this high school girl behind me, she's like, hey, hi, Mark. And I said, yeah. And she says, how is it that you know the Bible so well? It's just amazing. And I'm like, oh, wow. I said, I turned around, and I said, read it. And I kept walking. I was like, yes, man, yeah. And behind me, she goes, wow. And I was like, yes. And then I thought, do you know how much time that's going to take with the Lord? Do you know how much time I've spent with Jesus reading his word? Man, when we worship the idol of now, We just don't take time to enjoy the beauty even of God's Word. And if we're really, look, if we're being really honest here, we get sick and tired of waiting in life. Single person, you're tired of waiting on the right person to come along because you want someone now. Couples who are trying to have a baby and just got the news that they're not pregnant again. 
They're tired of getting that news, and they want a baby now. Tired of waiting for your marriage to be all that you want and that God wants it to be. But remember, love takes time, and you don't have it, and you don't want to spend it. You want your marriage to turn around right now. You're tired of waking up every day with dread and feeling depressed, and you want to fix that now. You're tired of waiting to make that purchase because you want it now. Look, here's here's the thing. Some of those problems can be solved now. They They can, but they won't be solved the right way. In almost every case, the now idol can offer you a quick temporary fix. Charge it. Charge what you want and get it now instead of saving for it and buying it with money that you do have. And so some of us, some of us, man, we're so far in debt we can't see our way out and we're flying down this luge out of control. Or maybe at the price of purity, single person. You can be in someone's bed tonight. In fact, you could play house and have someone live with you. Married people can cheat and have an affair and experience momentary excitement that, that you haven't felt maybe in a long time. But you'll suffer the guilt and consequences for the rest of your life. If you want to go to the mall, you can spend money and buy some stuff that you don't need with money that you don't have to impress, impress people, <laughs> frankly, that you don't even like. You can go get a bottle or a pill and it'll change a reality right now, but it's only temporary. You see, you get on the luge without really thinking it through and now you're flying down out of control. What does God want first? That's the question. The now idol will always give you a temporary fix for your weight problem. Now says it's better to live by sight than by faith. Abraham and Sarah worshipped the now idol one time. One time. God had promised them a child through whom nations would be blessed. But God wanted to show His glory through it and wanted it to be in His perfect timing. He made, he made Abraham and Sarah wait for years. Well, they couldn't wait. They wanted now. And they decided, let's do something now. So, so Abraham took Hagar and took charge, and they decided to fix this problem now. And, and the world is still paying the price today for the decision that Sarah and Abraham made. The now idol gives you doubts that God can't always be trusted and that he might not deliver on his promise because he's making you wait. Man, I identify with this. Some of you might know my daughter. She's right there. My daughter was born a little over three and a half months premature. She was one pound, 14 ounces when she was born. She was in intensive care, neonatal intensive care, for seven and a half weeks. She almost died three times. You can imagine the bills that were just racking up. The decisions that were to be made, and I thought I could do it myself. I thought, I can handle this. I will worship the idol now. It was overwhelming. I got to tell you, I kept saying, I, I'm the man. I can fix this. I can fix this thing. One morning after visiting my daughter in NICU and 
and seeing her in that isolate, I was walking down the hospital hallway, and I got to tell you, all I could hear, this is the best way I could describe it, all I could hear was this thing, and the next thing I knew, I was waking up in the emergency room. They thought that I had had a heart attack. They thought, I mean, they, they were doing all kinds of stuff on me. And later on, after I spent a night in the hospital, the doctor said, the doctor said, Mr. Worley, you didn't have a heart attack. What you had was a severe anxiety stress attack. I told my wife, we will tell no one about this. Okay, we will let no one know that spiritual Mark Worley crashed and burned because he took so much stuff on himself. No one will speak of this. My wife could tell you that's the truth. Because I had bowed down to the idol of now rather than giving those things to Christ. Take a look in your Bibles uh, just for a second in Matthew, the 13th chapter. This is the, the parable that Jesus told about the, the sower and the seed and the soils. You remember that? Uh, the, the sower throws out seed and he throws it on the path, he throws it in the rocks, he throws it in the thorns, and he throws it in good soil. And Jesus, in Matthew 13, verse 18 and following, he's explaining this. Guys, I read this, I read this after the night I spent in the hospital. Verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That's what was sown along the path. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is the one that got me. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it proves unfruitful I read that and I said God I'm not going to be choked out I'm not going to worship the idol now any longer God I'm leaving it up to you I have to tell you please don't miss the waiting because it's in the waiting that God is doing his work on our patience and perseverance and trying to teach us things I have to tell you uh, three years after Amy was born I got a letter in the mail three years later and and this is the truth when I gave everything to God God started doing his work when I waited on him when I said God I can't spend another night in the hospital I can't do that and rack up more bills I just want to depend on you listen people started sending money churches started sending us money they said they said hey we heard you're having difficulty here here's some money I didn't even know these people I didn't know these places three years after she was born I got a letter in the mail and I could see through the paper read and I thought, oh, no, I forgot to pay another bill. And I opened the letter up, and the red was circling this note. It said, because you have paid so faithfully, even a little at a time, the doctor has decided to write off the rest of your bill. 
three-year-old Amy came in and she said, Daddy, why are you crying? And I said, because you're paid off. <laughs> and she started dancing all around the house. I'm paid off, I'm paid off, I'm paid off. Until the wedding. Okay, so anyway. <clears throat> Man, some of God's best people in the Bible were trained waiters. Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years for the promised son Isaac. Joseph waited in prison for a crime he didn't commit. David was running for his life out in the wilderness as he was waiting on being king. Hannah waited year after year to finally become a mother, and then when she did, she gave that baby to God. Simeon and Anna waited for the Messiah in the temple. The disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit. The church today is waiting for Jesus to return. Notice that God was not punishing anyone in these examples. When God rejects the timing of your quest, which is usually now, that doesn't mean that he's rejecting you. God was not disciplining these people or me. He was discipling those people and me. You have to believe that the God who orders your steps is also the God who orders your stops. Let's look at some scriptures very quickly that are at odds with the now idol. You ready? Let's take a look. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 33, 20, it says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. How about Psalm 37, 34? Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Psalm 38, but for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. Isaiah 60, uh, 26. Eight, in the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. How about Psalm 46.10? Man, many of us have heard this. Be still and what? And know that I am God. Sometimes we're called to wait on the Lord. And in that waiting, allow Him to do His transforming work in us. I'm also an elder at Compass Christian Church. And I have to tell you, when we were about seven, 800 people, it was like we were, the elders were doing all kinds of micromanaging. We were, we were running the show. We were worshiping. Even elders were worshiping the idol of now. And, and finally, man, it got so great that we just said, God, this is your church. You control the church. God, help us to do what you want us to do, and we will wait on you. It's your agenda, God. And now, every time the elders get together, we say, guys, we're not going to mess this up. We're running over 5,000 and it's still the same. Still the same, God, it's you. Psalm 5 says, In the morning, O Lord, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. In the passage here in Luke 10, Martha wanted to get the housework done. Can you imagine that? I mean, hindsight, right? Once I'm flying down the luge, then, that, then it takes on a whole new meaning. Martha is so busy doing housework that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the chosen one of God is right there. And she's so busy doing something else. I can identify. I love, I love growing. We, we, we were over... Uh, at Brad's, Brad and Sharon's house last night, and, and it just reminded me, man, we, I love grilling, and we were, I, 
at our house, we were grilling central. And man, there's just, but, but you know, I, I remember one time in particular, I was grilling, I was serving, and man, I was putting stuff on the plates, and I was just having so much fun, and I clean up as we go. I, I do, and so I'm cleaning up and stuff, and one of my kids said, Dad, please, will you sit down and just spend time with us? Please. We'll help you clean up later. When I read through this passage, I thought, It's almost like God is saying, hey, please, I just want to spend some time with you. You can do that other stuff later. Jesus says that one thing is needed and that Mary had chosen what's better. You know what I believe Jesus is referring to in this verse? Jesus is saying that only one thing really matters. That one thing is to trust him and put him first, even if you end up waiting on some other things getting done. Spend time with him. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the big, the big sermon, Matthew 6, verse 33, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Trusting Jesus is the most urgent matter for Martha. She doesn't need to do all that idle now stuff is telling her to do. Jesus is telling Martha to stop the tyranny of the urgent and focus on him. Jesus is telling her to stop the power of now and focus on what really matters. Let me ask you, when will Jesus and his ways take preference over all that you're pursuing now? For some of us, it's time to trust the Lord first and crush the now idol that drives your life in so many ways. Now has led you down a path where you don't want to be. That's why you're here today listening to this message, because you don't like the path that that Satan has helped you down, and you want to turn around and change your life forever. You've gotten on the sled, and you're flying down the hill. I uh, uh, I read this week about a young girl who walks into a department store And she sees this pearl necklace. It's not real. It's fake. Kind of gaudy and tacky, really. It costs about $10, but she loves it. So she goes home and she saves up her money until she has 10 bucks and she comes back to the store. She buys these fake pearls and she just wears them everywhere. I mean, all the time she wears these fake pearls. They look tacky and a few of them go missing after a while. Finally, her father comes to her one night and says, Honey, do you love me? And the little girl says, Dad, you know I love you. And then the father says, then I want you to give me those pearls. And the little girl says, Dad, you can have my favorite toy, but you can't have my pearls. He comes to her the next night and says, Honey, do you love me? Then I want you to give me your pearls. And she says, Well, you can have my favorite doll, Dad, but you can't have my pearls. The next day, she comes down the steps. She's got tears in her eyes. And she's carrying her gaudy, tacky pearls in her hand. And she says, Daddy, you can have my pearls. I want you to know how much I love you. And then the father pulls out of his pocket a velvet case. And he opens for his daughter a real, a real pearl necklace. See, he was waiting for her to let go of now so that he could bless her with the real thing. He was waiting to see that as, his, as the father meant the most, and then he would give her the best gift of all. The best gift of all. 
That's what Jesus is saying in Luke 10. Martha, give that stuff up. This last week, I was listening to a testimony. It was really powerful from one of the professors, an English professor at Dallas Christian College. And I asked her, Melody Troll, I asked her if I could share this with you. Here's what she said. She said, in the summer of 2012, I had a two-year-old and I was pregnant with my twins due in September. And my role was shifting. I was soon to be a stay-at-home mom, a term I detested mostly because I didn't understand it, and a role that had never been in my plan. While my role, with my role as teacher nearly at its end, and my giant belly being the only thing on my mind, and sometimes quite literally the only thing in my view, I quickly tossed out, my calling is to be a mom. Because that was my impending role to fill. That was my now. So, I left DCC in August of 2012 to become a stay-at-home mom. But I had no idea that during the next four years, I would stray so far from God that I would question my very existence, much less my calling. Having gone from one child to three and all in diapers, plus the desire to absolutely control my world, I was beyond tired. I was buried alive, utterly lost. The quickest and surest way to get lost is to trade, listen to this, to trade in your map for a mirror. I was a stay-at-home mom, arguably one of, the, uh, one of the ironically loneliest occupations on earth, and I refused to admit I needed help. People always say, you have to take care of yourself first so you can take care of your family. And while I believe that there's truth to that, I also believe it's precarious at best. I fell hard into the slightly off-center theology that in order to love my neighbor as myself, I really needed to spend more time loving myself. And the closer that mirror got, the bigger I got, and the smaller God got. Nobody understood or appreciated me. Everything was everybody else's fault, and I was ready for trade-ins all around. Bigger house. More understanding husband, better behaved children, friends who affirmed all my decisions. So much anger. And I no longer love people and words. She said, then a close friend asked me to edit her book. Suffice it to say, through this book, I saw that she knew God in a way I hadn't known him since I got saved in high school. She could have justified having a heart like mine. Hard. But instead, she radiated peace and joy. And oh, I wanted some of that. Shortly after, the dominoes started falling. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. My sister-in-law left my my husband's brother. My oldest son wasn't thriving in school or life. My husband and I were like roommates. And my hard heart started breaking. Then God said, okay, now she's ready. And I started spending time with God and relearning who He is. She gave up the chaotic sled ride down the hill. She gave up the idol of now and found God again. I don't know where you are today. 
I really don't. God does. Maybe you're on that sled and you're bouncing from side to side and you're picking up steam. You're going faster and faster and you're out of control and you absolutely don't know what to do because you've bowed down to the idol of now. And Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, spend time with me. Spend time. You guys... There's beautiful countryside around. I've seen it, driven in it. What would happen if maybe every once in a while we gave up that busy idol of now and we just took a Bible, maybe some worship music, and we drove out here in a nice, serene spot and we said, God, I'm here. I'm laying down my idols. And I'm here for you. Let's pray.